0: Uh, Good morning. It is uh, just wonderful to see each of you here this morning. I wonder if you've ever asked yourself the question that I've actually titled this sermon, which is, why is there global Christian persecution? Or maybe something related to that, like, what's it really like to be a Christian who lives in a country where you're persecuted just because of what you believe? Or, I can't... Imagine being persecuted for my faith in Jesus. How do these Christians make it? Or I'm just one person. I mean, Mark, I live thousands of miles away from what you're going to be talking about this morning, and what can I do to help? What I want to do this morning is I want to ask and answer the primary questions I am asked as a missions pastor about global Christian persecution. So we're going to just jump right into it. The first question I'm often asked, what does the Bible say about Christian persecution? Well, Jesus taught that any who would choose to follow him should expect persecution. He said in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, blessed are you when, he doesn't say blessed are you if, but when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Peter taught that we shouldn't be surprised when persecution comes. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Paul promised that persecution would come. 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Another question, what is the status of Christian persecution in our world today? Let me give you a quote to begin with that I think succinctly summarizes the world situation. William Taylor said, We are living in the days of the greatest growth of the church When multitudes are coming into the kingdom of Christ, I fully agree with that. And then he says, at the same time, these are days of some of the greatest persecution of Christians in all of human history. I also agree. Statistics reveal that in all of human history, the most dangerous time to be a Christian is actually right now. Todd Johnson, since the resurrection, 70 million Christians have been murdered for their faith. ICC has stated more Christians have been martyred for their faith in the 20th and 21st centuries than during the previous 19 centuries combined. You think about that. Rick Warren, every five minutes a Christian is killed for their faith somewhere on the planet. As you entered, each family received two pieces of information. The first is our open doors world watch list for 2017. If you didn't get a copy, we'll get you one a little bit later. But this tool calculates uh, Christian persecution by examining a believer's personal life, their family life, their community life, their national life, their church life, and actual acts of violence against them. And you'll notice on page three, you can look at it a little bit later, I think we'll put it up on the screen, the different engines of persecution, the sources of Christian persecution, and there are eight of them It used to be that communism was the number one perpetrator of Christian persecution. Today, it's Islamic extremism. In 40 of the 50 top countries that most persecute Christians, Islamic extremism is the source for that persecution. The report also reports that 215 million Christians live in environments where they face the spectrum of persecution and possibly martyrdom. The bottom line is this. Christian persecution is on the rise. It's the global norm, actually. Pew Research has stated over 75% of the world's population lives in areas with severe religious restrictions. 75% of the total population on our planet. The U.S. State Department has stated, quote, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their governments or their surrounding neighbors just because of their belief in Jesus. Paul Marshall finally states, Christians are the single most widely persecuted religious group in the world today, with 75% of acts of religious intolerance directed against Christians. Now, when we talk about Christian persecution, we're talking about Christians who are mistreated. They're driven from their homes. They're abducted, tortured, raped, imprisoned, and sometimes killed for their faith. The Bible speaks about three types of suffering, and I know that you know this. There's common suffering. That's where I get sick, I get in a car accident, common suffering. Then there's carnal suffering, where I suffer because of my sinful choices or actions. And then there is Christian suffering, where I suffer simply because I'm a Christian living out my faith uh, in a hostile environment. Now, as you study Christian persecution, and I have my whole Christian life studied this, what you learn is that Christians are persecuted for very complex reasons depending on the country you're studying. Political, cultural, economic, social, psychological, and spiritual reasons. How do Christians respond to persecution? One of three ways. They either flee and escape it, or they prayerfully and patiently endure it, or they will stand up and advocate against it in that environment. What is Christian persecution? Let me give you a definition. This is my personal definition. Any unjust action of hostility directed at Christians resulting in various levels of harm. So persecution goes from the mild to the extreme, name-calling, harassment, discrimination to slavery, beatings, torture, imprisonment, martyrdom. And what we see throughout the world and what the Bible teaches is that Christian persecution is, watch this, normal. I'm not saying it's right, but it is normal. American Christians, we are the exception. For reasons known only to God, we have escaped, for the most part, persecution for the first two centuries of our nation's history. We have not been forced, like other countries, to live out our faith in a severely hostile environment, it's becoming more hostile but it is not nearly at all like what we're going to be studying this morning. Why? I believe God has blessed us to be a blessing, to actually serve those of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted. As American Christians, we are for the most part sheltered. We think of Christian persecution as strange, but biblically it's the opposite. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact there are 66 books in the Bible. 65 out of 66 of those books, the context for those books is the suffering of God's people or persecution. The only exception is the book, The Song of Solomon. And even in that book, there's this like marital fight that breaks out. (laughs) And you got to remember, but we kind of forget this that Jesus' closest followers, think about them John the Baptist was executed. 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred for their faith. The Apostle Paul had his head cut off for his faith. Jesus himself was crucified. The persecution of believers is normal. It's not thought and shouldn't be thought of as strange. Often as Americans, we are deeply ignorant of the persecution of our fellow brothers and sisters. We've been blessed with so much religious freedom, we can't imagine what persecution could be like. Our religious freedom is protected by our government as well as by our culture. The United States was formed for the purpose of religious freedom, but that's not the case for the majority of the world's Christians who don't live in the United States. One of the most difficult truths for us to grasp is that the world actually hates us. Jesus taught his disciples seven times in John 15 that we would be hated by the world. That is the teaching of Jesus, The world doesn't tolerate us. Even though toleration is supposed to be a value of the world, the world actually hates us. Listen to Jesus' words in John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. The time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. Is that not happening today? They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember what I warned you of. Now, why does the world hate and persecute Christians? That is a question I am asked again and again. And Jesus gives us three reasons in John 15. Number one, we're different. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, and I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We are in the world, but not of the world. And because of that, the world hates Christians. Second, we bear Christ's name. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. When Jesus walked the earth, they persecuted Christ, ultimately crucified him. Jesus is in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of God. They can't get to him now, but they come after you because you're a Christian. You're a little Christ because you name the name of Jesus. Thirdly, we expose the world's sin. Jesus said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. Now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. Jesus, as he walked this earth, he exposed the world's sin. Jesus in us today does the same thing. We expose the world's sin, and the world hates the light, and the light Jesus in us exposes the wickedness of the world, and the world hates having their sin exposed, so they hate and persecute Christians. Because of this. And what I've seen in all my travels, I've been to like 40 countries around the world, the greater the darkness, the greater the hatred and persecution of Christians. Now, at Three Crosses, we together as a family, we support like 650 pastors, church planters all over the world. And what do all these pastors have in common? All of them are being used of God in amazing ways to see thousands and tens of thousands come to Christ. But what they also have in common is that they are all experiencing ongoing persecution. All of them. And what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to ask and answer two more questions. And it's this. What does persecution look like for those we support? And second, what can we do to help? So what does persecution look like for those we support? And the answer is, exactly what jesus said it would look like in matthew 10 we see jesus for the first time sending out his disciples on a short-term missions trip this trip would serve as a trial run a warm-up mission for the worldwide mission they would launch after jesus's ascension into heaven and in matthew 10 jesus teaches the disciples about the levels or degrees of persecution they would encounter with martyrdom as the ultimate possibility And Jesus uses six words to describe the degrees of persecution that would come their way. And he mentions them in ascending order. And as I read through this scripture, I want you to see this graph that depicts Jesus' teaching about persecution. And it will show what he taught in ascending order. I call this the six degrees of Christian persecution. I'll read the passage. You just watch the graph. So Jesus says this to his disciples as they go out on a missions trip. He says, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at that person's house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. So this is what we do. We support as a church hundreds of church planners. A church planner goes into an area where there is no church. There are no Christians. Maybe it's 100% Muslim. And they will pray, and they will walk the streets, and they're looking for the person of peace. They're looking for someone who will be favorably disposed to them, invite them in. They will uh, be open to learning about God. They'll start a Bible study in there. Ultimately, they plant a church there. This is how churches are planted all over the world. I know this is a foreign concept to us. We're in a Christian nation. But where there are no Christians, this is what Jesus said. You go out. You look for that person of peace. Now, Jesus said, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. Jesus was saying, you'll be rejected. They're not going to welcome you sometimes. It's the first level of persecution. And then you also be prevented. Sometimes they won't even let you speak. And this is, we're seeing this arise in the United States, intoleration of free speech. It's a level of persecution. And it's strong in other places of the world where Christians especially are shut down. Jesus said, be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils. That is, you'll be detained, arrested. Jesus said, verse 17, they will flog you in their synagogues. That is, you'll be abused. You'll be tortured. Verse 23, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to the other. That is, you'll be pursued. And then he says, verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but that cannot kill the soul. And he says, verse twenty-one: Brother will betray a brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents, and have them put to death. That is, you'll be killed. These are the six degrees of Christian persecution Jesus taught. And you say, well, is this really happening, Mark? Unfortunately, our Western secular media does not report, for the most part, the true reality of Christian persecution. This lack of reporting is actually a form of persecution against Christians. It is repressing the truth, preventing the truth from being known even to our own nation. And these are just a few of the headlines I want to give you that I've recently read as I monitor Christian persecution around the world. I was going to show you the pictures with the headlines, but I feel they're just too graphic. Honestly, I can't even read you many of the headlines. They're just too disturbing. So what I'm going to share with you for the rest of this message, trust me, is a mild version of what is happening to Christians around the world. Remember, this is happening to Christians just because they will not deny their faith. So here's the, some, some of the headlines I've recently read. Rejected by friends and family. Hand cut off. Killed by a bomb under his car. Detained without trial and left in metal container till he died. Game raped for being a Christian. Church burnt down. Not allowed to register children in school. Bibles destroyed. Shot in the head as he left prayer meeting. Government destroys another church building. Children abducted and forced to convert to majority faith. Offered freedom if she would only recant from her Christian faith. Christian sanitation worker dies after hospital refuses to treat him. Christian fined and detained for selling religious books. Gunman kills 30 Christians on bus attack. 700 Christian girls annually kidnap, rape, forced to convert to Islam, and forced to marry their captors. That happens in Pakistan every year. 50% of the nation's Christians have been imprisoned at some time. That's Eritrea. We don't even know most of us about that country on East Africa. In the last 27 years, genocidal dictator Omar al-Bashir has killed more than 2 million Christians. It's a genocide that's continuing right now. We don't even hear about this in the news, North Sudan. One national leader said this. He said, The Christian faith is under siege. It's always been under siege. Now, what I want to do the rest of our time is just talk to you about our dear brothers and sisters that we personally support. Uh, William Barclay famously has described New Testament Christians as having these three characteristics. One, they were absurdly happy. Two, they were filled with an irrational love for everyone. And three, they were always in trouble. <laughs> and the persecuted Christians, the pastors that we support, and I meet with them, hundreds of them, they are this. They are always in trouble. But not because you know they're bad citizens. It's just because they are unwilling to deny Jesus Christ. And the stories I'm going to share with you will illustrate the various levels of persecution our brothers and sisters experience right now, all around the world. And then we're going to talk about what we can do to help. Let me bring in Nigeria. We support 50 pastors in Nigeria. It's an Islamic-dominated country. You can read later the booklet that we gave you from Voice of the Martyrs, Christians Facing Islamic Extremists. And you can learn more about Boko Haram in Nigeria. Boko Haram is one of the factions of Islamic extremism loyal to ISIS, who reigns in northern Nigeria, where our pastors minister. Since 2009, more than 1,000 churches have been burned in that area. Over 20,000 people have been killed, the vast majority Christians. Hundreds of Christians have been maimed in machete attacks. 2.6 million, mostly Christians, are now homeless, displaced from their homes due to violence against them, just in Nigeria alone. Every time pastors and Christians meet in Nigeria, they do at their own risk. I want to share with you some pictures now from the pastors we support and and letters that they wrote to you, to be read to you. This is their words. Thank God for your life, that God has laid this in your heart to help me. It always comes during my time of need. They're talking about the support. Please keep praying for my survival so I can continue to preach the gospel and thank you for your support. Thank you for the support. The persecution is still going on. The support is keeping us because we do not have income. Please continue to pray. Life is difficult. We have lost everything. I'm living in a very dangerous area, and we need more prayer than ever. We cannot send our children to school. My wife is traumatized. Our life has become very difficult. We are in hiding. Please continue to pray. You notice how they're just asking for prayer, 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 and the basics, food, clothing, shelter, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Why? Why? they want to share the gospel. They're there because they want to reach their nation for Christ in the midst of all of the suffering. Islam is a religion of intolerance toward all other religions. There are two mindsets that exist in all Muslim countries. Number one is total eradication of Christians. In many countries, the message is convert to Islam or be killed. It's common for ISIS especially to graffiti "N." on houses, tents, churches. This is their graffiti. Uh, This marks or tags a house, a tent, a home, a church for persecution and suffering the consequences if you do not leave. That N is the Arabic symbol for Nazarene or Christian. So the first mindset is total eradication of Christian from a Muslim country. The second is, Christians, you can stay, but you're not given a voice. You're discriminated against on a daily basis. You're treated as a second-class citizen. Your kids, they're not allowed to go to school. Uh, You're last in line for getting a job or even food. And this persecution comes from the government authorities, from your neighbors, from your own family members who are Muslim. Many Islamic countries have blasphemy laws. I don't know if you've heard of this. If your neighbor doesn't like you, they can simply say that you blaspheme the Quran or you blaspheme Muhammad. It's not true. You didn't do that. But they can say you did. And when they, when they say you did, you'll be arrested. You're thrown into prison. There are hundreds of Christians languishing in prisons right now due to false accusations. And by the way, prison in persecuted countries always involves three things. Always. Starvation, torture, brainwashing to con- get you to convert to the majority faith which is not Christian. Let me bring you to Sierra Leone. We support 50 pastors in Sierra Leone, this an Islamic country. 350,000 Muslims have turned to Christ in the last 10 years in this area. By the way, why do we support these areas where there's persecution? Because the greatest turning to Jesus Christ is happening right there where the battle is. And when a Muslim turns to Christ anywhere in the Islamic world, they face incredible persecution. So let me share with you one of the stories of the pastors we support. His name is Sylvester. Sylvester grew up uh, as a Muslim. His father was a Brahmin chief over the whole village of a thousand homes. And Sylvester was the de- designated heir to the throne. He was to be the next chief. Sylvester was constantly being trained to be that successor. At age 16, out of curiosity, he went to this thing called the church. And he heard that salvation is a free gift. Guess who was preaching? Shadonka. And he gave his life to Christ, and he stopped going to the mosque. Well, the entire village began to wonder, why is this guy not going to the mosque? Villagers surrounded his house, and in front of his father, they confronted him, asking Sylvester, why? And Sylvester, with boldness, says, because I am a Christian. And immediately, a crowd began to beat him. His father went into his house, packed up all his belongings, threw his belongings at Sylvester, kicked them out, and renounced him at that moment as his son, even after he dies. The church took Sylvester in and began to disciple him. To this very day, no one from Sylvester's family has trusted in Christ except for one. His father lived watch this until 112 years old. On his deathbed, he asked for Sylvester and said, I have tried everything to destroy you. If you remain a Christian, you must love God, be serious, and stay committed. This day, I forgive you. And Sylvester said, Father, I want you to say the sinner's prayer. And his father did, right there, accepted Christ as his Savior and Lord. And three hours later, his father died. Sylvester's one of the pastors, bold pastors we support. I later asked Sylvester, kind of jokingly, and I said, so what do you say to others when, you know, you, that you turned down becoming a Brahmin chief? And he said, the sacrifice isn't even a sacrifice. God has something even bigger. Sylvester, watch this, has now planted a church in the village That beat him up. It's 40 people strong. Isn't that cool? All because he refused to deny Jesus Christ. Let me bring you to Syria. We support dozens of pastors in Syria. Edward Wabdi was in this pulpit a few years back. He serves in Damascus. Yeah, where the Apostle Paul, blinded, came to Christ. Syria is a tough area. There are an estimated 42 million refugees on the refugee highway of our world. Many of them are Christians. Two million refugees have fled Syria due to Islamic extremism. Thousands of them are Christians. So let's talk a little bit about what it's like to be a Christian refugee. ISIS comes to your home, forces you to flee. You lose your home, your homeland, your material possessions, your beloved friends. Often you're separated from your family. Familiar sights and sounds no longer. Feelings of loneliness and abandonment are so strong. Sometimes, if you're lucky, you get to live in a refugee camp. Oftentimes, you're just on the streets. You become easy prey for exploitation. And we see these pictures even on our news, and we're not told that these are Christians. And we see the masses. And what I'm praying is that when you see these, these are your brothers and sisters, oftentimes Christians being persecuted just because of their faith. Let me bring you to China. We support 100 pastors in China. China is a communist, atheistic, totalitarian state. The church must operate under very strict religious policies of the Chinese Communist Party. Churches that refuse to register and Christians who attend those churches that are not registered are considered illegal and they become the state's primary target of attack and persecution. So let me share with you a few stories about what it's like to be a Christian In China, this is Pastor Gi Joe. He's a dear friend. I have this picture because he used to be an ex-game member, and he's holding up his hand. One of his fingers got cut off in a knife fight. Knife fight, and I was like, now he's just now he's a gang member for Jesus, man. The guy is just so cool. But uh, I asked him how he's going, how how things are going. I I, I've known him many years, and he said to me the last time I saw him when I took that picture, he said, "Quote." This last year, the police have forced me to move from my apartment five times. Can you imagine the police, because you're a Christian, forcing you to move from where you're living right now five times in a year? And he said, our church has had to move five times as well. He said, the attendance has dropped by one-third. Police continue to threaten my life daily. They tell me, we know where your kids go to school. I said, said to him, how do you deal with that? And he said, I'm not afraid of death. I know I am doing the right thing. God comforts me and keeps lifting me up. Let me introduce you to Sister Angie. Angie came to Pastor Larry at the end of a meeting where both Larry and I were teaching, and she asked for prayer regarding some threats she and her church were receiving from the police. I later interviewed Angie to get her full story. Angie shared that In her area, the police have forcefully removed 40 crosses from 40 different churches. And they came to her church. They came to the leadership and said, let us take down your cross or we will destroy your entire church. They said no. In her church, there were a 1,000 people. And they posted a guard at their church, members in rotation, including Angie. And they would take shifts guarding, protecting the church's cross all through the night's. Can you imagine if the threat from our government is we're going to take down those crosses? How many of us would be there protecting those crosses? This is what they're doing in China. Regardless, the police came late one night because they're cowards. They won't just do this during the day. With an overwhelming force, and she said, quote, It was impossible for us to resist. They removed our cross. Now the police are threatening to place cameras inside our church to monitor our every move. And she came to Larry and I and asked for some prayer. I did some research when I got back. And in Angie's region, actually 2,000 crosses have been removed from 2,000 churches by the Chinese police. The police are now forcefully installing surveillance cameras inside the churches to monitor their movements. And churches must pay more than $1,000 for the installation of those cameras. These cameras have high-tech facial recognition to track those who attend church and especially those who give offerings. It's estimated there are 30 million surveillance cameras that watch over China's citizens. It's literally called Skynet. Yep, after the computer system in the Terminator films. Beijing, the capital of 22 million, is considered, watch this, 100% covered. By 2020, China has the goal to be 100% covered, maintaining national security, monitoring Christians every single move. Let me bring you to Sister Laura. She believed at age 13. She was trained and discipled at age 17, and she began out to preach the gospel at age 18. And she went into this mountainous area, preached the gospel with a total of three of them, and just there was this huge turning to Jesus. She went to another mountainous area there to preach the gospel. The police surrounded them and arrested them. At night, the police tied them up in ropes, dragged them down the hill. It was cold. The police beat her, slapped her so hard she couldn't even feel her face. She became incredibly dizzy, she said. Where are you from? Who is your leader? What is your purpose? She remained silent or gave vague names. The police cursed her. They told her if she didn't talk, they would beat her to death. They hung her by her handcuffs on a metal bar all night and broke her ankle. In the morning, they placed her on a cart, tied a cardboard sign around her neck, and paraded her through the town broadcasting that she was evil. This is what's happening in China. She was taken to prison, and over the next 45 days, she led 30 people to Christ in that prison. I asked her, I said, how did you find the strength? And she said, God's word sustained me, Acts 14, 22. She said, went through my mind again and again and again, which says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. How wimpy are we as American Christians, right? Then she said, she turns to me, and she says, But my next imprisonment was the exciting one. And Larry and I looked at each other and go, what? And then she talked about it. She says, I was teaching Bible study. Can you imagine if you were teaching Bible study here at our church, and then she said, and I was arrested. This is what the majority of Christians in our world face. She was arrested. And she was taken to prison for four months because she was teaching the Bible. And she says, the guards, they didn't beat me in that prison because before I came, the women in that prison would fight so viciously that the guards wouldn't even come near them. And when I came, I prayed for these women, and I brought a calm and a peace to the inmates. And I would teach them one Bible verse per day. And there was this tower in that prison, and I was given permission to preach the gospel from that tower, and 60 women came to Christ. <laughs> that crazy. Do you know what part of the standard discipleship training is for pastors in China? Pastors are taught, watch this, how to minister to those who torture you. We can't even get our minds around that. Hey, we're going to teach a seminar in a couple weeks. I'm going to teach you how to respond to those who torture you. This is the majority of the Christian world that faces this. Let me bring you to Bangladesh. Bangladesh. We support 10 pastors in Bangladesh. It's an Islamic country. This is a picture of me at a baptismal service. Here's one church planter we support in an unreached area in Bangladesh, preaches the gospel, 150 people come to Christ. They all show up at a meeting for me to preach to them and then see them baptized. And we give them, gave them each a Bible. And I noticed on the far side of this lake when I'm right there, I noticed there were two guards that were watching and I asked someone next to me, I said, what's going on there? What are these guys doing? What are they looking for? And someone said, well, they're watching for radical Islamists. We always have to be ready to flee for our lives. I was like, well, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> like, I'm not, not going to tell Tracy about that. You know, one of the questions I'm often asked is, Mark, aren't you afraid you're going to die? And and my answer honestly, is always the same. I died a long time ago. July 27, 1981 when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I mean, if the Lord wants... I'm never safer when I'm in the will of God, traveling wherever God wants me to go. I'm going to do it the rest of my life. And by the way, if I'm on the field one day and the Lord's will is for me to go home, I can't wait. (laughs) Praise the Lord! Hey! We're all going to die. Who are you, you going to die for? Yourself? i want to die for Jesus. I'm not saying I want to be a martyr. I'm just saying if that's the Lord's will for my life, praise the Lord. Can't wait to get to heaven. Let me uh, introduce you to Pastor B. This dear brother, oh, man, he is so gentle, but he has the boldness of a lion. I was just talking to him yesterday. He's going to be here in December. Early in 2016, his name was publicly printed in the newspaper, listed on a list with other key pastors who were commanded to move from the country or they would be killed. One of his co-pastors was brutally, bu- brutally killed by Islamists. Pastor B showed me his picture. I saw something that seared in my mind. Have you ever seen someone hacked to death with a machete? It's beyond gruesome. On March 7, 2016, a group of four Islamists surrounded and attacked Pastor B. They smashed in part of his skull with a brick. And only because a police officer was there did they stop and his life was spared. They called his wife. They brought him to the hospital, took him months of recovery. And he said to me, he goes, Mark, many of my Christian friends said you should leave the country. You should leave. And Pastor B said, no, this is where God has called me and if I die, I die. This is what you need to understand about persecuted Christians. They're not asking for the persecution to necessarily stop. They're asking for the strength and courage to preach the gospel in the midst of it because they see their nation going to hell. And the only answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me bring you to North Korea. We support pastors in North Korea. (laughs) Uh, But I can't tell you what we're doing for security purposes. Um, I'll tell you a couple stories in a second. North Korea is the most, many believe, repressed country in the history of the world. It is a modern-day holocaust constantly happening. It's the world's number one worst uh, religious persecutor, years running. In North Korea, there are no human rights, no freedoms, no humanitarian. It's, It's an absolute humanitarian crisis. 23 million of its citizens exist perpet- as perpetual slaves. And language just fails when you try to describe North Korea. In place of all religious faiths, totalitarian dictator Kim Jong un has created his own religion imposed on all its 23 million citizens. From early childhood, when you're just a little child in North Korea, you've been taught that the reigning Kim, currently Kim Jong un, is God. Every family is mandated to have a picture in a shrine devoted to Kim Jong-un in their home, and they must sing worship songs and pray to him daily as the great leader, the eternal father. You cannot say a word about another religion or three generations of your family can and will be arrested, thrown into prison, and killed. Unbelievers exi- uh, believers exist in North Korea. They hold hands to pray, but they rarely gather in more than three. Because it's so dangerous. There are an estimated 300,000 Christians in North Korea. There are a minimum of 12 prison camps, Holocaust-like style, where at any given moment, 30,000 Christians are being systematically tortured and killed. These are your brothers and sisters. You will meet them in heaven, and so will I. What we know about North Korea comes from its defectors. And maybe this will sound strange. Uh, Just a bit ago, a few months ago, a dream came true for my life to meet, to spend two days with these defectors, to hug them and love them and to hear their stories. One of the greatest privileges of my life. So let me tell you a couple of their stories to, w- to hear firsthand what it's like. One day we'll do a whole service on North Korea. But here's Hai, a picture of Hai. She escaped North Korea 10 years ago, and I've read 20 books on North Korea from defectors. And this is true. She collab- corroborated what I've heard She says, as a little girl, imagine you're a little girl growing up in North Korea. She said, I saw dozens of public executions, and they're all the same. Take someone, tie them to a pole, blindfold them, shoot them 10 times in the head, 10 times in the heart, 10 times in the knee. And you are forced as a citizen in North Korea to watch that. If you are a Christian, you are shot 30 times in the head, your head is obliterated. And the North Korean soldiers say, this is happening because this person is an idiot. In their mind, they believed in Jesus. Let me introduce you to Han. Sixteen years ago, she was in North Korea. She heard illegally a shortwave radio program broadcast, which is illegal. You're caught listening to shortwave radio. You're thrown into prison. She heard this radio program. She heard about Jesus. And rather than me tell you her story, I want you to listen to me interviewing her just a few weeks ago. I'm introducing you right now to our dear sister, Han. And uh, 16 years ago, she found herself in North Korea, one of the most repressed countries in the world. And it's a miracle that she's here today. And some 16 years ago, she began to hear a broadcast. Her testimony is incredible. there about Jesus and about hope And she began to think, is this possible? That there could be this kind of hope available? And so, eight years it took her, but she did uh, escape from North Korea, found herself on a pursuit to find that radio station that was broadcasting the hope. And it was there that she came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And also now, she is the person being used of the Lord to broadcast the gospel into North Korea she does the gospel segments and i wanted you to see her face to meet our dear sister and to know there's an opportunity to support broadcasts that actually bring the gospel into north korea and you could be praying for han that god will give her those words i wanted you to meet her she's our sister we thank the lord for this ongoing ministry and it's han we just praise the lord for your life it's an honor to meet you and we thank god for you we have praying for you Do you know that you now are supporting Han, the number one gospel preaching venue, bringing the gospel into North Korea, this church is supporting. Han is on. Every day she preaches the gospel into North Korea. Pray for her. Three Crosses, your impact around the world is incredible. What you do for suffering, persecuted Christians is incredible. And I often tell you they're incredible stories. And you hear, you've heard me many times, tens of thousands coming to Christ. What we have heard today is is the other side of the coin, the price that these Christians pay in persecution for having that kind of ministry. And please understand, this was a challenging message for me to give. I didn't want to be too graphic because of our audience. But I also didn't want to dumb down Christian persecution and actually deceive you about the truth. And failed to dignify the suffering and sacrifice of our brothers and sisters around the world. So I thank you for your patience. Now, what can we do about the persecution of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering? Let me give you three ways to respond, because I'm sure for many of you, this is the first time you've heard something like this and you're shocked. And let me say, it's a good shock. You can't live your Christian life in ignorance. You need to understand God loves the world. And we love our dear brothers and sisters. Three things you can do. Number one, remember them. Hebrews 13.3, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Remember them. When Pastor Danny and I were in Senegal just a bit ago, I met this dear brother. We went to pray for him. He was the first Christian among all these Muslims, thousands of Muslims around the first Christian in his area. And this is what he said to me, Mark, please, Remember me. Don't forget me. And I said, Tama, I will remember you. And now you remember him. One of the ways that you can remember, this is why I've given you these two tools, to remember, to learn about this. Second, pray for them. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ, the Bible says. You can pray. In each of these tools I've given you, there's a prayer list. Begin to pray For your brothers and sisters who are paying the price around the world, thirdly, support them. Adopt, pray for, financially support one of the hundreds of suffering pastors that we support. Go to the mission center. Learn how to support a persecuted pastor. Your financial gifts that you give to missions say one thing to hundreds of pastors and church planters. Love. We love you. You're not forgotten. We pray for you. My goal is to visit them every two to three years. And when I get it on the the field and I see them face to face and I love on them, they know you're praying for them. You're giving. You make such a difference in their lives. But let me ask you, this is our church. Have you gotten on board? Are you in the game? Are you supporting at least one suffering pastor? I just want to encourage you. The Bible says, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and your love as, as you have shown him, as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Let me wrap things up by answering the question that I began with. Why is there global Christian persecution? Pastor, why is this happening all over the world? Here's the primary reason. It's God's global witness for the salvation of the world. Let that sink in. The greatest act of persecution in the history of the world was the unlawful arrest, unjust treatment, torture, and murder of the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ. But the greatest life imaginable, eternal life, became available to all who would believe on Jesus because of his death and resurrection. And God's plan has not changed. God still uses the persecution and suffering of his people as a witness to the world of his love that leads to eternal life for all who would believe. This is why there is the persecution of Christians in our world today. God is sovereign. Watch this. God is in control of all of it. He ordains it. God allows it as an expression of his love for a lost world who is on their way to hell. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world then that he gave his son, but today he still gives his sons and daughters. Why? So that people will see that dedication, that love, and they will put their faith in Jesus so they can live eternally. Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You read Fox's book of martyrs. Read the book, Jesus Freaks. Learn how individuals, villages, communities, nations have turned to Jesus because of the suffering, the persecution, the martyrdom of God's people over the centuries. You read the story of Jim Elliott. Learn about his martyrdom in Ecuador. Read the story of David Thompson, how his parents were killed in Vietnam, and learn how those nations turned to Jesus because of the martyrdom. This is not God's pathetic church. This is God's powerful, glorious, magnificent suffering, an unstoppable, persecuted church that's winning millions to Jesus Christ in the midst of their courageous suffering. These brothers and sisters who are suffering persecution, they are modern day heroes of the faith and we as Christians in the United States should get on our knees and wash their feet because they're not turning. Hey, we may not be called to suffer or be persecuted the way our brothers and sisters are. In the majority world, they are. In the United States, we're an anomaly. But in the majority world, they are so courageous. But we can remember them. We can pray for them. We can support them. And three crosses, you guys are awesome. Let's continue to be that faithful church serving our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Amen? Amen? A little louder, amen? Amen. Oh, much better. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and lift up to you millions of our brothers and sisters around the world. They're suffering these degrees of persecution right now for the gospel. Let tens of thousands turn to Jesus this day because of their suffering. And we pray that you would grant them strength and comfort and protection and deliverance where that is possible. Let us ever be a church family who remembers them and prays for them and supports them. I thank you for our church. Lord, accomplish in our hearts right now what you want to accomplish this day in this moment. Move us to prayer. Move us to action. For any of us who are here, Lord, we've never surrendered our lives to the Jesus who suffered for us on the cross. Let us see that love. Let us respond. Let us surrender our life so we can have eternal life. And grant us the courage, Lord, I pray, to join our brothers and sisters around the world and suffer persecution should that be your will if it comes to our country one day. And it's already here in various forms. But Lord, not like it is around the world. Help us to be your men and women, followers of Jesus, just like our other brothers and sisters. All God's people said, amen.